Man, it's looking good in here today. You guys look great. Um, it's good to be with you. If I haven't met you before, I'm Tyler. I'm the campus pastor here at CTK Blaine. We're blessed to have you with us. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, today is Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter, which is the Sunday where Jesus rode into town on a donkey. And the, the amazing thing about Palm Sunday is there were a lot of kings that rode into Jerusalem as a conquering king, as one who came to kind of steal, kill, and destroy, and take control. And Jesus conquered the world by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he didn't have an army with him. He had 12 raggedy guys walking with him into town. Um, and he didn't come down to take anyone's life, but to offer up his own. So it really is, it's a powerful time that we remember. We look forward to Easter. So um, speaking of which, Easter, if you didn't know, is next week. Anybody excited for Easter this year? Uh, Easter is coming up. We're, we're just going to have one service, which is a risk. Uh, we might pack it out in here. So we're going to have, uh, which would be great, um, 10 a.m. next Sunday. You can, you can come as early as 9.30. We'll have donuts and coffee. We'll have our famous donut wall, all right, the, don the wall of donuts, pictures, all that stuff. Be a great thing to invite your friends and family to. We're going to talk about how Jesus came for the whole world. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Um, so that is going to be exciting. Be here at 10 a.m. Celebrate the resurrection with us. Uh, stuff for the kids as well. Um, and then, on, on, since this is Passion Week, Good Friday's coming up. Friday, April 7th, at Seat Hall campuses are, are coming together to celebrate uh, and remember, reflect on, on Jesus' sacrificial death for us. Um, so we're, we're gathering at that time. Um, it'll be a special time of communion. Um, that's down at CTK Bellingham, 6 o'clock on Friday. Also new for us this week is egg extravaganza with Saturday coming up. You guys have been bringing eggs and chocolate and also probably had like, like 12 different people from the community sponsor. Like the community's just getting behind this thing. Um, and I'm really, really excited for this. Um, so if you want to just come enjoy it, it's going to be next Saturday, 10 a.m. Um, it's, it's for families with kids age 0 to 12. There's four different hunts. We're going to have a bounce house, it, whatever age you are. I mean, we'll, have, uh, we'll, we'll be frying donuts there on site. Starbucks is doing coffee. There'll be prizes. It's going to be fun. Um, but it really is a, a great opportunity for us to just be present, you know, we sang about God being present with us. It's really a great opportunity for us just to be present with our neighbors in the city. So I'm really excited for that. This, uh, today, is actually a day where we're going to be, after service, we're going to be putting some tables in here. We're going to have some, some pizza and food that, that some of you brought. It's usually the, the day where we do um, our Super Sunday, like a, like a potluck. But we're going to make you work today. Sorry if you didn't uh, come prepared to work, um, but we're going to be stuffing eggs, and, and so we'd love to have you stay and, and do that with us. We're trying to, I mean, we've, we've got a goal of 5,000 eggs. That's a lot of eggs. Uh, so if you would stay with us, uh, that would be amazing. It'll be a lot of fun, too, and like I said, we'll have pizza and some other food your whole family uh, can enjoy, so that's exciting. And and this really is, I want to say, we're, we're, we're trying the egg hunt this year as an opportunity to, to connect and be present with our city. It's really, the heart of it is just to serve our city. 
when when I started building relationships at E of Blaine and, and we started getting connected and, and, and we did worship gatherings in um, Blaine Marine Park, one of the city guys suggested, hey, what, what do you guys think about doing an egg hunt? Like they really felt like that was something the city needed to do. They just never had a group put one together. So it really is an opportunity for us to, to, to stand in and and be present with our community, bring our community together, but it's also an opportunity um, to, to um, connect people, uh, connect with people, and in, invite them to, to check out our community. So we'll be handing out some cards, some invite cards there um, this next Sunday, and there'll be, you know, all the information, but there's also going to be a, a portion that talks about why we celebrate. So even if people don't come on Sunday, they'll get to hear a little bit. <laughs> which will be good. Uh, so I'm excited for that, and there's going to be some fun surprises involving other prominent people at CTK Blaine, like the guy who just led worship. There's a big surprise involving that guy. So you want to see that. You want to take pictures. Um, all right, well, today is a special day. One of my favorite books, favorite chapters, favorite verses in all of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, because it talks about what the church is actually here for. And it's not just to inspire people, it's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's to pass along God's calling to the next generation, that they might pass it on to the next generation. And that we all might get involved in this beautiful work of God called the church, and we might get involved in bringing his kingdom to earth and, and proclaiming uh, the glory of Jesus from generation to generation. And I, uh, this week, um, remembered about 14 years ago, I had just started as a youth pastor of a small church in Portland, and I remember standing up on a stage like this and preaching to an empty room, except for one guy, a guy named Bill, who kind of sat over there somewhere, and he didn't really look at me while I was preaching. He just kind of stoically took notes. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, uh, after I was done, and man, I, I was nervous. Even just with Bill, I was very nervous. And I remember Bill came, and he was just very calm and reassuring and encouraging. And I remember how important that moment was for me as I was sort of stepping into my calling. And what was such a privilege is this week, I got to do that with a young guy named Josh. I got to sit in the room, and Josh preached just to me, and I got to take notes. And it was special. It was really cool. Uh, Josh Nelson, God's been doing a huge work in Josh's life over the last year. Um, he was out with a group called Surfing the Nations back in the fall, um, which is an amazing ministry that, that not only disciples young people, but, but puts them into, gives them opportunities to serve and share the gospel, not just in Hawaii, but all around the world. So Josh got to go to the Middle East. And so I'm excited. Josh is going to preach this morning. We just give it up for Josh Nelson as he comes up. Josh, I'm excited to hear, but I just want to pray for you before you share. God, thank you for this guy. Lord, thank you for the work you've done in Josh's life. Thank you for the call that you've started to stir in him. I pray, God, that you'd just be present with him and uh, be present to us, God, as he shares in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
not gonna lie, uh, I am a lot more nervous right now than I was a little bit ago, and <laughs> it's kind of like that idea, like when you practice something over and over and over again, and you know exactly what you're gonna say, how you're gonna say it, and then you get up, and immediately everything just drops out of your head, and you have no idea where you are. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of the feeling right now, so we'll make it work. Uh, hey, I am Josh Nelson. Um, uh, before I get into this, I just want to really thank Tyler um, for being just such an amazing mentor, um, an amazing pastor, and a shepherd over this church and this community. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. Um, a little bit of backstory for this. When uh, I was leaving to go to Surfing the Nations last year, uh, he got me up and commissioned me, and I spoke a little bit about what Surfing the Nations is, and then afterwards, uh, after the service, he pulled me aside and said, let's get you up there for a full half hour. Let's do like a 20, 25 minute half hour sermon and just see where you go from there. And he's like, it, it can't hurt anything. And I'm like, you know what? It really can't. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is probably just a joke. He's probably not being completely serious, but I was really, really hoping that he was. Um, but now this is here and it's very surreal to be like doing something that I've thought about doing for a while and like really wanting to step into that ministry. So again, just thank you for giving me this chance. Um, but yeah, when Tyler told me the uh, series that we're in, uh, which is Jesus for us all, I immediately knew what I was going to talk about. Like it wasn't even like a question. He said, we're doing a series called Jesus for us all. And then he was like, so we're thinking of names like Jesus for the broken, Jesus for the humble, Jesus for the meek. And then I'm just like, Jesus for the lost. That's what it is. That's what I'm talking about. Immediately, right away. And so I have a question. Has anybody ever been lost before? Like, yeah, I, I think most of us would probably say, yeah, we've been lost. It's kind of hard to get lost nowadays, like truly truly lost at the advent of smartphones and GPS and your entire family knowing exactly where you are every single moment of every single day. It's a very big invasion of privacy, but it keeps us from getting lost. <laughs> but it is still possible. I, I remember one time when I was really young, I went to the mall, we went to the Gap, Baby Gap probably, I don't even remember, it was so long ago, but it was me and my parents and my brother, and I just wandered away for like 20 seconds, just looking at something else, and I turned back, and I couldn't find my parents. And so I ran out of the store because I thought that would make it better. Just see, go and find them out in the open mall. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, but it's just like that sense of fear, that dread that's in the back of your head when you realize that you're lost and the person or the people that are supposed to care for you, you don't know where they are. You can't see them, right? You're lost. Or even like when you're going down a backwoods road on a cross-country road trip with your brother, um, and you don't have cell service, and because this isn't 1995 anymore, you don't have a paper map. So yeah, that's another pretty easy way to get lost. However, being lost in the spiritual sense 
is pretty different. Being lost in the spiritual sense is pertaining to you and God. It's dealing with your soul, being distant and separate from him. And oftentimes throughout scripture, this is related to as being a lost sheep with God playing the role of the shepherd. A great example of this, I think a perfect example, is so many people's favorite Bible verse, Psalm 23, verse 1. And it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. I mean, it's pretty, pretty on the nose right there. Um, Ezekiel chapter 34 also has God himself in the first person speaking through Ezekiel using this analogy. In verses 15 and 16 of Ezekiel 34, it says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. And I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. All of Ezekiel 34 uses this analogy, the entire chapter. It's all about God playing the role of the shepherd of Israel. Um, yeah, and this, this really does carry throughout the entire Bible. So many psalms, psalmists have used this analogy. It's in Ezekiel. It's all over the place, and we're going to touch on more later on. But this really brings us to the first uh, verse that came into my head when I thought about doing this um, this sermon, and when Tyler told me about this series. See, when he said that he wanted me to speak, I was thinking, I just want to do something that speaks to me, something that I know that I've seen God work in my life so that it can inspire other people to seek out the same, so that it can inspire the work of God in other people's lives the way it did for me. You see, being lost spiritually is, it's really draining. For me, it ate away at my desire to live. It kept me awake all night, every night, scared of going to hell because I was afraid that because of my doubt and my bitterness that I would end up dying in my sleep and just going to hell. It fueled self-destructive behaviors to myself, and I could not see a single way out for years. And I feel like eventually that's something that you can just become complacent in. And it actually happened to me. Now, this is all just setting up a big but, and that but is but Jesus. But Jesus makes that way for us. Jesus intervenes for us. Jesus comes seeking us out while we are sheep lost in the wilderness, and he comes ultimately to save us. And the verse that I am alluding to is Luke 19.10, which reads, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's my big epiphany. Thirteen words in one of the most recognizable passages in the entire Bible. Are you, like, 
Yeah, seriously, like this passage cuts to the very heart of the gospel. We are all lost at one point. We all need a Savior. We all need to be found. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to bring us home. He came to be our shepherd and to bring us back into the flock. He also states in John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, this analogy from the Old Testament and Ezekiel and Psalms and everywhere else throughout the Old Testament, that is fulfilled in Jesus. He literally claims to be the good shepherd from the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise in Ezekiel 34. And you see, in this passage, it becomes even more clear in context. So in this passage in Luke, he's talking to a tax collector, a man named Zacchaeus. And those of us who grew up in Sunday school probably have—maybe we have heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah, see? Um, yeah, I'm not going to torture you guys anymore with that singing. Some of us also probably know the verse— for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. One of the most iconic verses in Scripture. And we can just understand that on the surf surface level, but if we want to dive into that, it becomes so much more powerful. You see, this passage starts out with Jesus entering Jericho as part of his ministry. Jericho is a town. Uh, it's the first city that the Israelites conquered when they came in to the Holy Land. And so it's this big city in Israel, and they're leading. Uh, Jesus is walking in there, and people are gathered up to see him. And there's a man named Zacchaeus who is a tax collector, and he's way too short, so he climbs a tree to see Jesus. And in verse 5 of Luke 19, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And now just think for a sec. Imagine you're in Israel back in 30 AD. You hear about this man who has been doing miracles. He's been healing the sick. He's been giving sight to the blind. He's been exercising demons from people. And all of your religious leaders hate him because he's essentially usurping their authority. He claims to be divine. And then all of a sudden, you see this short little man just climb up a tree and then this divine man, who you want to see really badly, looks right at him and straight up just invites him over to his house. You see, this was very, very shocking for these people. Because tax collectors are actually, were actually one of the most hated people in Israel during the Roman occupation. They were usually Jewish men who were working for the Romans, and because of that, they were seen as traitors. These men were hated. They were despised. They were seen as taking money from their hardworking families and their own tribes, and then they were giving it to the enemy. They were giving it to the Romans. They were seen as lesser. And yet, what does Jesus do? He invites himself into one of their homes, and he's going to stay with him, and he's going to be in fellowship with him. 
And if there's any question how they reacted, it says in verse 7, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You see, it was angering to these people, not this was going in to break bread with a tax collector, but he was a sinner. But that is exactly why Jesus invited himself over. And this isn't lost on Zacchaeus. In verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I have restored it full fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. No one is off limits to Jesus' ministry. Even those who are hated and rejected and despised by their peers are found and made whole by the Good Shepherd. Jesus didn't need to hear Zacchaeus' stob story. He didn't need to hear how he never meant to defraud anyone, how he was a nice tax collector. It didn't matter what he had done in his life up until that point. When Jesus is standing there in his house looking at him, he's standing there offering him salvation and offering this lost sheep a chance to be found. You see, in my life, I have often felt too far gone. I felt too far away from God for him to look in my direction or notice me. I've done things that I regret that I'm not proud of. I've made so many mistakes, and so many of them I can never make back or make up, but I mean, we all have, to be honest. That's part of being human. That's who we are, right? We all make mistakes. And you see, when you're being lost in the wilderness as a lost sheep for years or decades or however long, you see, God knows about this, right? Because in Isaiah, in chapter 53, about 700 to 740 years before Jesus walked this earth, he wrote, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one we have turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. There is no exception in this passage. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way, and yet what does God do? He lays our, in, our iniquities down at the foot of the cross where Jesus died for us. And then if you back up in that same passage, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus sees that we're lost. He sees that we don't have the strength to overcome our struggles alone, so he made a one-time payment that covers all of our mistakes, all of our brokenness, all of our regrets, all the things that we have done forever. Like Zacchaeus, we have all done wrong things. We've all wronged people, and we all strive to be better. We all have that sob story to Jesus, like, I didn't mean to do it, but when he comes and offers you forgiveness, it's real. It's a one-time transaction. You lay 
your stuff down at that foot of the cross, and he carries it for, for you. And he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. A little bit more to go. Got a little bit more scripture. Okay. We still doing good? Because I, I feel like this is getting rough. I feel like this is getting very, like, kind of, like, intense. But we're good. We're good. Okay. Let's go. Um, Luke chapter 15. Um, yeah. Here, again, we have Jesus eating with sinners and can make the Pharisees mad. Um, and there's this thing. When I hear people say that Jesus loved hanging out with, like, prostitutes and thieves and murderers and just all these people, they're usually—the way that I've experienced it is they're usually coming at it from the way of Jesus isn't really concerned about what they've done. He's just hanging out with them and chilling with them and not bringing that up. But these verses actually say the opposite. You see, Jesus is first and foremost concerned about our souls. That's his main objective. In verse 4 of Luke 15, he starts a parable. Now, what man have you, what you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Right away, it's all about our souls. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And I don't know about you, but that is one of the most encouraging and most beautiful quotes I have ever read in my entire life. This passage right here is stating in his own words that God is relentlessly seeking you out. He is leaving his 99 righteous followers and chasing after your heart. All that is required is just to repent and to believe in the gospel, the gospel of God's Son who shed his blood for you on a cross. His son, who came to earth as a man in a human body, destined to die a horrible death to bring us all into eternal life with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. I'm going to ask Brian to come back up here and play some soft guitar jams while I wrap this up. <laughs> We've done a lot of reading today, done a lot of scripture, but... Uh, bear with me because we have a little bit more. Um, I've talked nonstop about the shepherd and the sheep. I've talked about God himself walking among us and atoning for our wrongdoings. But what can we do? What can be our prayer this week? How can we live out our lives being the sheep that were found? And thankfully, the hard part has already been done for us. The price has been paid. We have been set free. We have been found by the Good Shepherd. And now we can pray for the salvation of those around us, our town, our loved ones, our country, and our world. And we are actually commanded of this in Scripture. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is, I promise you this is the last thing I'm reading. <laughs> um, it's very long, though, but it's so good. It's so, so good. 
First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Because this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is testimony given at the proper time. You see, God desires every single person on earth to be saved. He desires all of us to come to the knowledge of the gospel. And it blows my mind over and over and over and over again why he would choose me. Why, why me after running away from him? Just so many times and all those nights that I lie in, awake in bed and I am angry and I am swearing at God for why I feel the way that I do. And then after that, it would just, I would feel even more condemned, which would make me even angrier and the cycle would just start all over again. But you see, he never stopped loving me through that. There were days when I thought that I would never be happy, I would never find joy again in my life, that I would never be saved that I had lost my salvation, that all my years growing up in Sunday school and everything, that was all gone because I had screwed up too much. But here I am, so that's the power of God. One phrase that always sticks in my mind over this past, past year, um, since being radically born again last year after a lot of dark times, um, it's the phrase... God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And we are all called. We are all born to be sons and daughters of the living God. We are all here on earth as a living testimony to his goodness and to his grace. And we are all here to share the gospel. I don't feel qualified to be up here right now. I've never gone to seminary. I just read things and research things and put this together, I, I probably will never feel qualified whenever I stand up at a church. But because of his grace, he carried me here. Do you feel lost today? And if you do, there's good news. Jesus, the Son of God, the Good Shepherd, he has paid the price for you. He's running after you, and all you have to do is receive him. He's here today offering salvation, redemption. If you feel like you've been condemned for your sins in the past by other people, if people have rejected you over what you've done after you tried to make amends, God's not like those people. He's not like people. Confessing your sins to him will not result in you being cast out, but in being brought in, being brought back into the flock by the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace, for your kindness, for your mercy. 
Lord, thank you that you run after us, that you pursue us. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to come together in fellowship, to listen to worship music and have coffee and just hang out with each other and dig into your word, Lord. We thank you that every day that we have is a gift from you. We pray that we would never take that for granted, Lord. I pray that you would touch the lives of every person in here and that you would reveal yourself in ways that they never thought imaginable, Lord, that you would continue to give us deeper revelation of your love, help us dig deeper into your truth and your word, Lord, and continue to watch over us, Lord. Thank you for everything that you have done in our lives, Lord. Amen. Let's give it up. I'm okay. Thank you, Josh. Um, man, wow. That's uh, powerful. Thank you for just sharing your heart. Uh, I don't know, man. God's got something going on, and it's big. And uh, love you, man. Thank you. Just uh, as a response, as we close and worship this morning, uh, what we're going to do, if, if you feel... If this, if this is, has hit you, if you feel like you're lost, if you feel like you're unworthy, if you feel like you don't know where you're headed, uh, what I want to do, Bonnie and I are actually going to sit up here, and if you're a prayer warrior and you want to sit on this, this row here or in this front row here, uh, we're just going to be available to pray with you, and, and feel free to come forward and, and be prayed for, um, because you don't need to sit in that feeling of being lost. God's brought uh, you a community, brought you to a community. Um, so we would just encourage you, welcome you uh, to pray. And again, if you're just a prayer warrior who wants to pray for people, you can just come on up as well. So let's, uh, let's continue in worship uh, this morning.